The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Good morning once again. My name is Dave Parton. If you're visiting with us, I am so glad that you said yes to that invitation from a friend or maybe you saw us online or just saw the the beautiful grounds or the nice mums. You know, maybe there's lots of reasons why you're visiting with us today, but we're glad you're here. And for everyone else, welcome back. Good to see you again. Good to see you again. All right, so we are in our second and final uh, sermon of a series, a little mini-series we're doing here before we start our next larger book, which will be 1 Corinthians. Uh, We're talking about stewardship and what that means and and why is that important. And last Sunday, we looked at God's Word, but we also looked at sharing M&Ms from a poolside, and we learned a few key principles, and I just want to put those up on the screen for us now. And the first principle we looked at that... Everything is God's, and we are just stewards. So from the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 2, man was put in the garden to work it. It's God's garden. And in this season of life, man and woman lived in a perfect relationship with God, but because of their disobedience, they were removed from God's garden. But we learned from the beginning there is this stewardship that mankind is part of God's creation. Secondly, he's given us time, he's given us talents, he's given us treasure to steward under his authority. And he wants us to be obedient to, his, um, to, this, to our stewardship. Thirdly, God wants us to be dependent on him. This is key. So as we experience this loving relationship with him together, built on trust and provision, he's the one who provides, we're the one who receives. It is in that relationship that he wants to grow between he and us. And we are the ones who change, not him. He blesses us, he grows that relationship, though um, even though we turn away as we even sing some today we he continues to provide ways for us to walk back into that community with him and it increases our joy and he is glorified more and more and fourthly the bible is filled with stories and commands and laws uh, concerning god's children giving back a portion to him their money their harvest because God is the provider. That's what we, we talked about this last week. We talked about a, a tithe. Would you consider giving 10% through Neighborhood Church to be reminded of who God is? So in this review, my hope is that in your prayer time this week, that this came up, that you thought about your things. You thought about how tight do you hold on to your money and the items that God has blessed you with, and that you've had maybe a conversation with your spouse on, hey, is what we give away every year, is it what God wants us to do? And are we holding on to things? Are we giving 10% of our harvest, our blessing, our income back to the Lord in any way? And I even said, hey, would you consider giving through Neighborhood Church as we bless this neighborhood and our city and our world? So... We're going to look at Malachi just for a moment, just to remind us where we were last week. And then we're going to jump into a couple other events in the scriptures to help um, kind of fill in some gaps maybe for us this Sunday. Let me pray.
God, we, we're not good at this. We're not good at knowing that the things that we earn are, are ours or yours or what we should keep, what we should give away. Should we stay here? We should, go, should we go somewhere else? We, things aren't clear sometimes. But God, we know that there are some principles and some things in your word that, uh, that, that shape us and they discipline us and they help us know who you are and who we are and who is in authority. And Father, I just pray this morning as we talk one more Sunday about giving and money and stewardship, that you would allow us to grow in this area, that we would live lives that are healthy children. You are the Father, we are the child, as we just sing. It's in your name. Amen. Malachi 3.10, we're going to start there this morning. It'll also be on the screen. Uh, If you need a Bible or would like to own a Bible and don't have a Bible or have a friend who wants a Bible, all these Bibles in this room are gifts from us to you. Please take one and have it be yours where you grow more and more in your relationship with Jesus. Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. This is God speaking through a vision that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you to, and pour down a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight says the Lord of hosts. He wants to be the blesser. We talked about this all last week. He wants for us to be the beneficiary. He is the creator who wants what is best for his creation. But in this relationship, it takes the right heart. And this is what we're going to focus on today. To connect to his will and his plan for our lives, it takes a certain kind of heart. And you see, there's a time for discipline, but there's a time for encouragement. There's a time for rebuke, but there's also a time for reward. And This is the process of growing up. We know this because healthy parents get this. It is not true love to allow a selfish child to stay selfish. There's a time for rebuke and a time for reward to help that child grow and develop. We know that a child will not have a good relationship with their parents if they stay selfish. That's not a good relationship. And sure, they will probably not have very many healthy friendships if that's the case as well. So as an imperfect parent, and we consider our kids wanting them to be selfless and have healthy relationships with you, but also with others, we as imperfect parents go, we should help them. And we do that through discipline and encouragement, rebuke and reward to help train them to be more selfless, to be better, to be more like God. So if we're imperfect and we desire to do this, how much more does God want to do this for us as his children now? He wants us to know his kindness and his goodness and his grace 
Because he wants, first and foremost, to have a relationship with us. But secondly, he wants us to be good people who will love others that are created in his image so more and more people will understand the truth of what this world is about. So we have passages like Malachi 3 that compare one who robs God and one who fills up the storehouses with the tithe. We need to give him a portion. And then he says, now you understand. And now there is a blessing. So today I want to look at two passages. And for some that read their Bibles a lot, this may be familiar passages, but maybe you're not taught them side by side very often. The first will be in Matthew 19 and the second will be in Luke 19. So those will be two chapter 19s that we're going to get at. But before we get to that, I shared a passage last week that's Jesus in a sermon specifically talking about money. And we have passages or we have things that Jesus says about a topic. I always like to make sure that we throw those out there because that's important. Jesus is smart and wise and created us and he knows what's best for us. So this is from his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 19. Jesus specifically talking about people and what they do with their things and their money. He says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or the stock market, right? There's lots of things that destroy these funds where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I do not think God is not saying you should have some money. I'm not saying God is not saying you shouldn't have some retirement. I'm not saying you shouldn't be wise with your money. But is it your money or his? If you have money in the stock market, which many of us do because of our retirement plans, are you thinking, oh, look at my money growing? Or are you saying, oh, God, good, look at your money growing? Maybe I can retire sooner and do more for your kingdom. Do you guys see where the heart is in this? That's where we're trying to go today, is recognize where your heart is. Because what does Jesus say? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So God wants our heart. And there's this passage that, as a worship leader and somebody who who says things about Jesus with my lips often, I take this to heart, what Jesus says to the Pharisees. Pharisees, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are what? far from me. May that never be me. May that never be you. May the things we sing and say with our lips be true and honorable and reflect what's actually in our hearts. So like that, may what we do with our money and our stuff reflect what's going on in our hearts because Jesus says that's the way it will be. So the first interaction, as I shared, is from Matthew 19. Matthew 19. It's in, some, in some Bibles, it's titled Rich Young Man, some in Rich Young Ruler. Let's read this together. We'll read the whole section. And behold, a man came to him saying, this is, a man came to Jesus saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? That sounds like a good thing to do. You have a rabbi, a, a, a son of God who's in your town. You know, you're a person. You're saying, I get a question. What's a good question for the God of the universe? I don't know. How can I live forever? That's a good one. So he's starting off right. That's a good start. And 17, Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? 
There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not, not bear false witness. You shouldn't lie. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, oh, if you would be perfect, Go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus offers him, Come, follow me. But there was a cost, and specifically for this man, it was a great cost. It was a financial cost for this guy. The monetary cost for this rich young man was too great to follow Jesus. Jesus has been clear. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Give this world away. Give the world away to the world, to those in need. And then Come. Follow me, the Savior of the world, and then you will have treasure in heaven. So, a couple problems here. If Jesus says to you, go love your neighbor as yourself, and then you say, I have always done that, then I think you've broken two commandments. <laughs> you've lied now, right? Do you see the complexity of saying, I've always loved my neighbor as myself and being more than a minute old? Do you see how, how hard that would be? I've thought about other people as much as I've thought about myself. I've never met anybody who would say, got it, check. But secondly, he had an issue with his great possessions. So here's the plea for my life and for my friends and my family and anyone that I meet. May we never have so much that we say no to Jesus when he asks for it. May we never have so much. My hope is that when we hear Jesus calling, we respond with a yes. Why? Because you're Jesus. You're the God of the world. What do you need? Yes. My hope is that the daily bread, what he gives us today, that we'd stay dependent today will be enough. And then we find treasure in heaven. And that treasure in heaven will overshadow and outlast anything this world could ever accumulate for us. Just a few chapters before we hear Jesus teach on the same topic. He teaches about stuff so much to mankind because we struggle with it. He says this in Matthew 16, 26, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul? So we were told in this story, this is a real event, where this man went away sorrowful. And I'm sorry for his sorrow. We're in a series. We're talking about stewardship and understanding God's treasure versus ours. And realizing that he is the giver of our talents. He is the giver of our jobs, the opportunities, the incomes, the education, the mind, 
the skill sets we have. And may our regular offering of knowing that this is his anyway, keep us forever saying no. If God asks for us to follow him, may we say yes. So this gets to our first point today. Point number one, let us release anything that would make us say no to Jesus. So think of that right now. Is there something that you're holding on so tightly that if Jesus asked for it, you would say, no, God, and you would run to this thing? If Jesus was coming down Antioch with a handful of followers and you happened to be on your morning walk and he was there and you had a moment to ask him a question and you're like, teacher, how can I have eternal life? And he looked at you in the eyes and he said, sister, give all you have to the poor. Come and join me as I love the world. My hope is that each one of us would already have disciplines in our life that we would say yes to that request. I already give you some. You want more? And I just get to follow you till heaven? Let's go. That is my hope for us. So we're not going to read it, but following this passage in Matthew 19, these are things we learn. It is difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he uses an example of a camel going through the eye of the needle, which seems impossible. So then the next thing, it seems impossible. How can anyone follow Jesus? And then, of course, a God-sized response says, well, with God, all things are possible. Okay, getting the right perspective. You're there, I'm here, I don't understand your ways. And then here's the principle. Many here that are first, they will be last. But many that are here that are last, they will be first. That's the upside down kingdom Jesus is preaching. So from our first point, may we free ourselves from anything that would make us say no to Jesus. So now we're going to shift gears up to Luke. So it's first gear, Matthew, Mark, third gear, Luke. Luke 19, car people, I went up three books. Okay, so here we go. The second event is Jesus' interaction with a rich chief tax collector. Okay, Luke 19. We're looking at Zacchaeus. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Pause there for a second. Zacchaeus has made some horrible decisions in his life. He was in charge of collecting taxes for Jericho. But he not only personally was a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. He was like the team leader. He was the one with the whiteboard saying, hey, tax collectors, how can we get more money from these Israelites? He's that guy. He's turning a prophet from his own people as seen as a traitor working for the Romans who have now conquered them. 
It's like if Canada came and conquered Kansas City and one of you jokers started working for Canada, taking up all our taxes. We'd be like, Logan, why are you doing that? I'm just picked on Logan. Okay, so you guys get this idea. This is what happens. There were a community, somebody chose to say, I'll take up everybody's taxes. Some of you guys are thinking the sheriff of Nottingham, right? Lots of you guys have like these people in your life. This is the Zacchaeus in the story. So he not only probably had a pretty horrible relationship with friends, if he had many, but his relationship with God was pretty weak. But something special had happened today. He had heard Jesus was coming to town, and we just read he was seeking to see who Jesus was. That's good. That's good. That's a good thing. So let's continue. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. So Jesus, a crowd, a rabbi, a leading prophet, sees a man alone in a tree and says, I see you, Zacchaeus. I see you. I want to spend time with you. So how did this chief, rich, hated tax collector respond? We read, he received him joyfully. But how will this work? A, a man like Jesus, so generous. As we know, he left the throne of heaven to come down and be a person. That's a big step. Somebody so generous, going to be with somebody so greedy. A cheater, a backstabber. How are they going to spend time together? And this is the story you find in all of us. Just like the rich young man we read in Matthew. We learned that to follow Jesus, everything that we own must come under the authority of the Lord. Each of us need to choose how we need to obediently follow God. Or we're going to sorrowfully walk away. So what's Zacchaeus going to do? And when the, cr the crowd, when the crowd saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Do you see Zacchaeus' heart on display before Jesus? Without needing instruction that we have in this passage, Zacchaeus knew something in his heart needed to change. So half his money was given away. 
He didn't want anything in his possession that would make him say no to Jesus. He wanted to be generous. And those he had it wrong, he, he gave back four times. So I want to be clear for our second point today. It was the seeking. It was the accepting. It was the joy-filled heart that moved Zacchaeus to this generosity and this saving. It was the giving and the restoring that was a display of the heart change. So point number two, it is always the cheerful giver that receives salvation, not the large donation. You cannot buy salvation. It is always the cheerful giver, the cheerful heart, because what God cares about is the heart. So how do we have this kind of heart to receive salvation? Here's three things to start off with. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Have hope from these events that the, the biblical authors have given to us, that God has kept for us. Believe that God has the power to change a person from greedy to generous, from a judged sinner to a redeemed saint. Seek to be with Jesus in his church, number two. Seek, as we saw, both of these men, they came to Jesus. Have the heart to seek to be with Jesus. And I put, and his church, because the church is the body of Christ now. Talk to him in prayer. Jesus is saying to each one of us, I see you. I want to be with you. And what do we read? Why did Jesus came? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He is looking. Thirdly, what's salvation? It's trusting God with all you have under his lordship. That's it. All you have, everything you are. That's why we say salvation is believing in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. You don't get to keep anything. But do you trust if you give it back to God that he will take care of you? That is the life of the Christian. We are stewards. Everything we have is the Lord's. I hope we're a people that respond all the time with generosity. That we'll experience that the more we bless others, the more God will be seen in the lives of people around us. And he'll continue to bless through us. God is so generous. We sing this. We say this weekly. We're about to celebrate it in communion that he sent Jesus. He's the giver motivated by a perfect heart of love. Will we follow our perfect God by loving them and giving to other people? Consider giving through neighborhood church. Consider buying things for people anytime you have the opportunity. Consider getting rid of anything that's negatively affecting your love for God. Ask God daily, God, will you give me a cheerful heart today? I struggle with that. 
God wants to bless through us. I thought it'd be cool to end this series with going by the pool. That's okay with you. Last week we were by the pool and a parent gave a child a couple bucks to get some M&Ms and asked to share them. So the kid came back and the kid gave the dad M&Ms, said, hey, just take the whole bag, you know. You know, if you eat it all, I'll probably get some more from you anyway. Remember that story last week? This is what happens when you have a bag of M&Ms at the, at the pool. 14 children come to you and you're like, oh, okay, all right, okay, all right, come on, come on, guys. What does the dad do? Hey, son, here's a $100 bill. Buy all the M&Ms. Come back. We're going to have a good time today. Do you see the difference? The $2 was not the kids. The $100 was not the kids. But that's a joy-filled day right there. And I hope that's what kind of church we get to be. Let's pray. Jesus. May we be generous. May money come through this church unlike we could even imagine. And people flock to you. People come to you as a generous God who first and foremost sent the most precious priceless gift of a sacrifice for all of sin. May people's needs be met here, but first and foremost, may we care about their hearts. But may they eat, may they have healthy families, may divorces not happen. May families become just reunited in a way we've never seen before because of the truth of your word. May kids be adopted. May foster kids find homes. May kids get ride to schools, even though it's really, really early and it's across the neighborhood. Father, may this building be used all the time. May this building be cared for by your church, but used all the time in love. Father, may this be a place where the gospel is taught daily for your glory. Continue to bless us. May we be a blessing to others. Open up those windows, Lord. Give through us. And may we be faithful to proclaim salvation to all people. It's in your name. Amen.